Hey everybody, it's your old pal Gabe. Oh shit. Uh <laughs> my microphone is disintegrating. Uh as usual, we're brought to you by LoneStarButtons.com. Uh, if you have anything that's still standing, like a business or something. If you want to start something, take advantage of the decline, man. Damn, look at Brennan Birch, all positive and shit. Yeah, I've come back with a brand new appreciation of capitalism. <laughs> we're all going to die. Let's just ride it to the fucking ground. Yeah. Uh, if you want to promote anything, uh, custom buttons are a great way to do it. Uh, you can get in touch with Lone Star Buttons by email at info at LoneStarButtons.com. There goes my voice, because I'm... Why? <laughs> Has to be something. Uh, or you, you, could call the, you could call the owner, Adam, Adam Stimby Jones, at 281-798-1996. Use the coupon code, I want to suck on your hairy tits, and get some buttons thrown in for free. Uh, in addition to buttons, they also do bottle openers, mirrors, and magnets. Uh, so strap that on your sore ass. And uh, we're also brought to you by Jessica Dieter, agent of insurance. Um, did you have to move into a, an apartment because you lost your home? Did you have to move into your car because you lost your apartment? Well, you're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> Finally! <laughs> because you can save some money on home auto Flood or renter's insurance. Uh, just give Jess a call at 281-607-5263. She will shop some uh, coverage for you and get you a great rate at a reasonable price. And honestly, the way Wait, things are... are those two things the same? Yeah. Yeah. But She'll the... get you a good... A good deal. ...policy yeah. at a great price. And you know, like right now, investing in insurance is basically like a guaranteed cash payout because things are only going to get worse. Right. We got hurricane season company coming. We got murder hornets. I yes. mean... There's, like, so many things that could kill you right now. I mean, th this is basically just, like, you know, a guaranteed lottery ticket, you know? Yeah. Um, plus, there's door-to-door -door arsonists going around asking if you want to collect on some insurance. Shit. So, I just made that <laughs> up. Uh, we're also brought That's to you by... That's the business you start. <laughs> we're also brought to you by Destro's Treasure. Uh, you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Destro's Treasure. That's D-E-S-T-R-O-S, -E Treasure. And get some uh, get some Corona gifts for your family. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll send it. I'll wipe it down and I'll send it to whatever address you want. Uh, <laughs> we're offering art, uh, original art. We're offering art gifts such as coasters. Uh, we're gonna be doing some prints soon. We have one zine available and a bunch of jewelry that will knock your lady's socks off. So get to it. Yeah. Um, and that's it for the. Uh, the reads and enter the promo code molotov if you want us to come to your house and burn the burn it down see we're already saving you money right now by not talking we're saving you money um <laughs> okay that's it we're uh we're into the show We're back. Hey. Uh, I am Gabe. Google me, Dieter. Unless you're going to hire me, then don't Google me. Just yeah, uh, run that regular background check and I'll piss <laughs> in a bottle. No problem. Uh, and I'm also with Bitchin' Brennan Birch. Hey. Who's in studio for the first time in months. Yes. Properly socially distanced. 
Though we did make out whenever I walked in the door. I, I gave him a solid American hug yeah. when he came in. I was excited to see him. Yeah. But uh, that's worn out, and I want you to leave. <laughs> nah, okay, kidding. good. <laughs> Let's do this by phone next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we had something going on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's up, Brennan? Damn, it's oh, been a minute. Man, it has been a minute. Um, I guess, like everybody else, I've been, you know, kind of indulging in my little crafty weird hobbies, you know drawing making music and stuff um i ended up through a friend of a friend meeting up with these guys that are building illegal skate spots when's the wedding <laughs> <laughs> well i i ended up kind of hooking up with this this group of people that's been kind of going around building diy stuff i guess they're like finding concrete slabs on google earth or whatever and you know just doing their thing what are they building uh aquaponics <laughs> No, we're we're building skate parks, man. We're oh okay, cool. We're, there's like a quarter pipe. Uh, we're building a pyramid right now. There's Dang. another pyramid that's already built. Uh, and there's there's a slabby curb. I mean, we're doing the thing, man. And it's like it's really hard work. I mean, we're we're doing concrete work with very minimal tools because we can't make noise and you know. And it's like there's no access to water. We have to crawl down into a ditch and bucket the water out. Damn. And it's like completely gorilla style. And I was so sore and so tired after it was done, but, like, I have, like, such a boner for it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, it's, this is, like, everything that I've ever wanted this kind of thing to be. Wow. It's totally just completely punk rock. Oh, that's like, badass. I love it. And, like, all the money is just, you know, crowdsourced from other skaters. You know, if, if you want to kick in a little something, we'll tell you where it's at. Nice. And, like, I, I we went out and we did our first pour uh, on this new spot uh like this past weekend and you know if everything goes right i'm gonna go back next sunday and we're gonna build something else and hopefully we can keep the momentum going and make something cool hmm. like that's cool i'm i'm really really excited about doing this because it's just like it's a really small crew it's like you know four or five dudes and you know i don't think any of them really knew each other before they just kind of put the message out and everybody just kind of met up and started doing it and like i don't know like i, I feel like i kind of needed something like this you do, you, do you ever get the anarchist urge and just uh, want to build inside of retention ponds <laughs> i have a spot where i'm hoping to do just that really <laughs> yeah wow um you want to take up some of that water volume well <laughs> with, I, like concrete well no, that, no gonna concrete no it, the, the, the one that i found is already concrete like oh, okay. the bottom is concrete too that's why it's a perfect spot oh okay but uh i don't know we're gonna get to that hopefully eventually but nice. yeah like uh started working with these guys and you know it's been like really rewarding you know and like it, it's almost like being in a band or something, you know. It's like like whenever you just like get together with like a group of people and you work on something, and like at the end of the practice you have a song and it's finished. Yeah, and it's like really cool. And I don't know, it's it's something I kind of needed in my life, and you know, hopefully we can keep it going, keep doing it. Nice, that's badass, man. That's been like I don't know, that was just like this past weekend, and you know, hopefully we'll keep doing it. Nice. Uh, what else has been going on? Nothing. I mean, you know, just drawing a lot, drawing and painting a lot. That's good. Um. Animal Crossing. A whole lot of Animal Crossing. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of an, uh, Animal Crossing live play. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes me miss it a little bit, but uh, then I realize it's pretty low on the priorities list. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, you know, enjoying my free time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I, it's just something I do like every night before I go to bed, you know? I go, yeah. Go fishing. Do all my stuff. Do a little fishing. Shake my trees. You know. Yeah. Sell some stuff. Buy some stuff. Work on my island. It's very like relaxing. You That's know? cool. It's like a it's like a little Tamagotchi Zen garden. 
Man, I've been uh, daydreaming about real fucking Animal Crossing because somebody put it in my head that I should buy some land with some friends. Yeah. And like, oh, it was fucking, it was, well, no, uh, I had thought about this a while back and then Rogan started talking about it Yeah, with uh, all his buddies that I, I happened to find hilarious. Uh, like, they were going to invade a town and just buy a bunch of land and, and build on it. Yeah. Build homes and uh, kind of take over the local uh, comedy club. But uh, Gentrify it. They're going to gentrify a town. <laughs> with comedians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> comedians of color. Uh, <laughs> Getting coffee. But yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I just had a daydream of buying some land with uh, some friends of ours that, that we uh, we get along with really well. Right. And uh, just building a couple houses in a communal pool. Yeah. And just living that kind of life, but... I don't know. I don't know when or how it would happen. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's staying a, a daydream for now and I, possibly a pipe dream for later. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people have gotten a taste of like alternative kinds of living with this stuff. Yeah. You know, like they're getting like work from home or like, you know, they're just like spending more time like with Dude. their plants and like, like the, the de-emphasis on some of the bullshit of the day-to-day life that people were living before all this happened, you know has kind of pulled things into focus that people maybe care about that they didn't realize they cared about. Yeah. And, you know, or maybe they're finding things they like, you know, like, you know how many people like have started like baking bread and like, yeah. now they're like all about baking bread. They're all There's about a like flour shortage. Yeah. Because so many people are into baking right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like kind of cool that like people are like, you know, embracing these non, you know, they're not just sitting on their butts watching Tiger King. Like everybody was doing in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Like everybody's like, okay, well, I'm kind of out of Netflix. This sucks. Uh, maybe I'll grow a plant, you know? <laughs> like, Man, and it's done, I mean, for me personally, it's done so much for my, like, imagination. Yeah. And I don't want to say work, work ethic, ethic because I don't have a nine to five and a lot of people don't right now. Yeah. But, like, working on stuff that you love to do yeah. is, like, not... I mean, for me, not a, a means of income, like steady income, but yeah. but I'm trying. Yeah. Like, I devote a lot of time every day mm-hmm. to kind of babysitting that. It's a priority, right. you know? Uh, like, just and, being able to reprioritize those things and have that be more a part of your life than just, yeah. you know, sitting in traffic. And I think that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what people, people are kind of relabeling themselves, like, uh, you know? Six months ago, I had no problem saying, saying I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. Today, I'm an artist. Like, yeah, that's what I do, and that's what I'm pushing pushing for every day. You right. Know? Uh, someday, I'll be an author or a publisher. You know, that's also something I'm working on. Right. But it's like all these ideas have come to me, and they're in like a planning stage and an action stage to where I wouldn't have done this six months ago or a year ago you know right when you know there was a job market yeah and i could find work as a a graphic designer it's it's strange man the table the tables have turned it's like this this chaos is just like created like a vacuum where people are having to you know kind of shit or get off the pot you know and i don't know that might be a good thing for some people if youtube didn't suck i'd probably start a youtube channel yeah you just get on twitch dude we should get on twitch Okay. We should, we need to start doing this damn shit on Twitch. Okay. I'm serious. Like, look at this place. <laughs> we should be doing this show on Twitch. Okay. Well, I don't have a problem with that. 
Um, what else is going on? R.I.P. Little Richard. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. You know, nobody lives forever. Nobody's gonna get out of this alive. No. Uh, but it does suck when somebody. I mean, <clears throat> how many historical rock and rollers are out there? Yeah, I mean, there's not many. Like the originators of the fucking rock and roll yeah. shit. You know, I mean, half of them died in a plane crash back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I think Jerry Lee Lewis, and that's it. Yeah, he, he's pretty much it as far as like the bigger people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot of like blues guys and stuff that are still somehow kicking around. And yeah, there might be some like guitar. I mean, and yeah, there's there's not a ton. We'd have to really like dig around and find them. Yeah, you know? yeah. Little Richard was like one of the last ones that was still like very coherent too. Is you Chuck know? Berry dead? Yeah, Chuck, Chuck Berry's Berry been dead. died. He's been dead. Yeah, man. Yeah. And Little Richard wasn't even, like, the saltier of the bunch, you know? He's, like, kind of... Are you kidding me? <laughs> Little Richard? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't, like, slapping people around like Jerry Lee Lewis was. No, nah, he would just crush you with his words. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a... Uh, he's more of an enter- entertainer. Yeah, for sure. Than, I mean, you can't say that, really, but... Uh, you know no. what I mean? Like, his spirit was entertainment. Little Richard was on 24-7, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think you could, even if you had, like, a bad run-in with that guy, it was still going to be, like, crazy and memorable. You know? (laughs) He he wasn't going to, like, hit you or something, but he was going to say something completely insane and give you a story. (laughs) I'm going to make some high-pitched scream noises. (laughs) I don't know, man. He was always uh, fascinating to me as a little kid. Yeah. Because he, you know, he he was kind of like a a Hollywood get-around guy, you know? He would always be... A guest somewhere doing something. He was like always on like Hollywood squares, and you know, he yeah. was always doing something like yeah. some random. Like he would just pop up on like Regis and Kathy Lee or something. <laughs> yeah, no like, shit. It was always something just weird. In like the that. audience, like, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just being bombastic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's a. Uh, it's it's always rough to lose somebody like that. Yeah. But, you know, nobody gets out alive. Uh, the average age of an American is. 80 at the time of death right god i don't even know if it's 80 anymore is it well right now yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah. <laughs> uh <Hachi-machi. laughs> yeah but you know you gotta celebrate him we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll play a song on the uh outro yeah and uh fred willard also died yeah i wasn't oh. exposed to a lot of him but he popped up Fred Willard was hilarious, man. He was. He's so goddamn funny. Yeah. Like, he's one of the badass. I mean, he's a comedic actor. Yeah. He's not a comedian, mm-hmm. but he's a comedian, comedic actor. And, like, just that guy's timing and his delivery yeah. is fucking amazing. Like, I was actually, I was reading a story on uh, Twitter, I think it was, where someone, like, whenever he first died. And this comedian that I follow, uh, Dan Telfer, was fo- talking about how he met Fred Willard one time, like several years ago. And Fred Willard told him, listen, I'm going to throw my shoe at you at some point. You're never going to see it coming, but it's going to happen. <laughs> and this comedian was scared for years. What? Like every time he would get in the room with Fred Willard, he would be nervous because he didn't know if it was really coming or not. <laughs> like, and he Did just, he ever deliver on that? Never delivered. Wow. Like he just kept that energy up that whole That's time amazing. with that one guy, you know? Like, that's that's ama- amazing. That's like such a good skill. <laughs> wow. That, I love shit like that. I wonder how many people he did that to. He might have only done it to that guy. You that's know? amazing. That's amazing. 
And like I was, I was watching videos of like him doing stuff with Tim and Eric. Like he was working with like the people that are like doing like the crazy weird stuff today. You know, really up until he died. Yeah, he, wow. He, he would like pop up on you know Tim and Eric stuff all the time. Hmm. And you know, like there was like like outtakes of like just him, like you know, just doing whatever he's gonna do, and them behind the camera is just like shitting themselves, like trying not to laugh and ruin the take. You know. Yeah. And like, and he's just one of those people that just like had that thing that where like you know he, he starts talking and everybody just shuts up and listens to him and right <laughs> just goes with whatever logic he's dictating and that's awesome i know? mean i i've only seen him really i mean the most exposure i've had to him was in those uh like the christopher christopher guest, guest movies? Yeah. movies yeah well that's like some of the best stuff. best in show yeah. mighty win stuff like that well he was doing stuff like that even like in like the 70s like there was a show called fernwood tonight hmm. there was like a fake talk show they had like Dave Thomas and like all these like seventies comedy guys and like SCTV people and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I mean they were doing that that kind of that kind of humor back then, and it was just like a cult weird thing that like you know only certain nerds knew about that like kind of influenced everything, but nobody saw it. Wow, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh. yeah, I mean he was he was like a big deal, you know, like everything that people like now, you know, is related to like stuff that he did. Hmm. You know? Fred fucking Willard. Yeah. What a way to go, too. I mean, he just he just died of natural causes, you know, surrounded by his family. I thought he was sick because the, the past couple of years he had been like not looking so good. Well, yeah, I mean, he was getting old, but, you know, he was uh, he even like did something. There was like a show on Netflix that came out, you know, six, seven months ago. Really? Yeah, he was he does like uh, what's that show? Is that uh, I think you should leave. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. It's like a sketch comedy show. It's just like real weird stuff. It's really funny. Hmm. But uh, yeah, he was he, like does this thing where he's like a like a an organist at a funeral. But he's like an old timey like cartoon organist, and he has like all these like air horns. And he's like smashing plates and stuff. It's like what? it's super funny, dude. You, oh, you, wow. you need to go just watch that whole series. It's really good. Okay, but, cool. Yeah, yes, man. Uh, we got anything else? Huh? Mm, I don't know. No, not, not off the top of my head. I wanted to. Uh, I'm gonna it. think of like three things before I get in my car. Okay, yeah, but- <laughs> perfect. Call me. We'll we'll oh. tack it on. Uh, just wanted to do a, a shout out. We've never done shout outs on the show. Yeah, but uh. I just found out that this uh, couple, Tracy and Scotty in Arkansas, listened to our show in their hot tub. Really? Every week. Yeah. Huh. And they, they wanted us specifically to pick up the pace and do more shows. Okay. So uh, I think we got to do that. Okay, yeah. We, we can't disappoint Tracy and Scotty. Uh, they they made an offer for me and Jess to come out and see them. Uh, sorry, Brennan, but... Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I told him I'd, I'd bring the studio to them, and uh, we'll have them as guests on the show. What the hell? I was born in <laughs> Arkansas. Were you? <laughs> yeah, dude. You got any family out there? Batesville represent. <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't know that. Everybody. Yeah, dude. Born in a haunted house, man. <laughs> that explains a lot. Uh, also, shout, shout out to Rod Quinn. Uh, he's been listening for a long time. Uh, don't think we haven't noticed Rod. Uh I haven't seen Rod in a long time. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a few minutes. Yeah, um, cool dude, good maybe, painter. Yes, very very good artist. Uh, and let's see, that's it. Uh, you want to hit some news? Yeah, let's do it. We've got enough of it. We all know what time it is. It's time for the news with Gabriel Dieter and friends. Dude, I read this at three o'clock in the morning, uh-huh. and I got a little tingle down there. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know, uh, we talked about it last episode, how I just don't like Bill Gates, and I had no, like, reason why. He's your Elon Musk. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, I mean, he's lately he's been on the, uh, the conspiracy radar for his... Uh, foundation, quote-unquote. His, yeah, his foundation <laughs> that's been giving unauthorized or unwanted... Uh, vaccines to people in different countries sterilizations <laughs> yeah that's see i i didn't even want to to bring this up until i looked into it and because i heard it from a third party yeah and i had i literally haven't looked into this but his uh supposedly his dad really was into like like eugenics and stuff e- yeah no not eugenics is eugenics experimentation on different races oh no no, no. Is like, it wiping out certain reasons? Yeah, yeah. Eugenics is like you know tapering a population to yes. be what you want it to be. Yeah, that's oftentimes what... based on racial and social. Yes. Yeah. He basically wanted to wipe out the poor. Yeah. I think if I <laughs> if I got that right, which I probably didn't, because I still haven't looked into it, but I will endeavor to do so. Here's a good way to wipe out the poor: kill all the billionaires and redistribute their money, and <laughs> no one will be poor anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he had a different plan in mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was going to use a portion of his billions to uh, sterilize certain ethnic minorities. Yeah, well, and, uh, but we could just kill like 40 people instead of 40 million. Yeah. How long would that last? Though? Well, just our lifetimes. If and we send keep doing our, it. Send our children and grandchildren well, hey, to school. Bezos is going to be a, bil- a trillionaire now. So, hey, just that one. Just that one. Wow. <laughs> could like... Take care of climate change, and we'd still have like six hundred. You know what, Brennan? Billion dollars left. Twelve hundred dollars is going to completely appease me and prevent me from taking any any kind of action against my government. <laughs> I gave my twelve hundred to my landlord. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So she's certainly appeased. Oh, it's a, your landlord's a she? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Cindy Quatch, the Quatch, as I like to call her. I don't think she would like that. Uh, is she a member of the Quatch Foundation? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. But if I ever see her jogging, I'm going to call her a sweaty Quatch. <laughs> oh, how about, uh, no, nah, I don't know. Um, so Bill Gates, he's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. So this is crazy. I mean, it's, it's not crazy, crazy. I mean, there are different yeah. levels to crazy, but, uh. An Italian lawmaker demands Bill Gates be arrested for crimes against humanity. I thought that was fucking hilarious because it would take a European politician to do something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Bill Gates has too much money in America to protect himself, I think. Right. Um, Okay, so here's the article. It says, uh, an Italian lawmaker has managed to bring the conspiracy blame game to an entirely new level, exercising her parliamentary parliamentary privilege to blast Bill Gates as a vaccine criminal and globalist tool. Uh, Bill Gates and his latest anti-coronavirus efforts have been at the center of the wildest conspiracy theories that explore possible sinister motives behind the billionaire's activities. In arguably the most high-profile outcry last week, an Italian MP for Rome, uh, her name is Sarah Cuniel, delivered a speech uh, rarely, if ever at all, heard in any parliament. Um, In her passionate address, uh, Cuniel called upon fellow lawmakers to defy any plans for compulsory compulsory vaccination against COVID-19. Such endeavors are being pushed uh, by the corrupt elites, the deep state, she claimed, 
pointing the finger at Bill Gates as one of the main culprits behind the vaccination drive, if not the pandemic itself. Hmm. Go back up. Uh, for decades, Gates has been working on depopulation policy and dictatorial control plans on global politics, aiming to obtain the primacy on agriculture, technology, and energy. Hmm. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's really not any more evil than anything else any other like American billionaire does. Yeah, <laughs> they're all kind of you know in cahoots for that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't know, man. It that yeah. guy does seem fishy to me. Um, I don't know his, you know, I don't know his personal history. I just know the Bill and Mel- is it Bill and Melinda yeah. Gates Foundation has done some suspect stuff. Well, all of these like foundations that are run by these like you know billionaires or whatever druids druids yeah (laughs) we'll get into that um yeah like they're all fishy i mean it's it's really creepy that rather than you know pay taxes like these people are just they're using these like charity organizations to you know you know fund their own independent you know quote unquote you know world saving operations or whatever like you know whenever you read about bill gates you read oh he did so many mosquito nets and blah 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 and you know that stuff which I kind of started looking at the figures on the mosquito net claim or whatever, how he's done, you know, millions and millions of mosquito nets. Mosquito nets cost like $2 a piece. So he spent about $8 million providing mosquito nets to people. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, it's really fishy that like these people want no oversight over these activities. I think that that's what people don't like about it. You know, it's great if they are truly being altruistic and they're actually going out there and trying to help people in the world. And you know, I don't know of, one instance where that's true though like can you name one instance where a billionaire with a foundation has done nothing but the right thing and good for people well i mean the only thing that i've seen that i could even think of off the top of my head is that rapper akon that like went to that african village and like basically just adopted it and built infrastructure for everyone yeah like, i didn't hear about that yeah he like built windmills and like was have- that not front page news <laughs> no of course not but yeah i mean you know he's a black guy with a lot of money so of course that wasn't covered in any meaningful way like doing good you know but um yeah it's just like you know oh, i lost my train of thought uh but yeah it's, it's, it's just it's just really fishy that like you know they want this oversight to do with this huge amount of money you know what's effectively a black budget if mm-hmm. no one's looking over it mm-hmm. and you know that's a great point and they want to do you know medical procedures to people we have no idea what they're doing there's no they're in trouble in in india they're in trouble in, I believe, Africa, mm. and now you know, Italy yeah. has raised an alarm of some small kind. Yeah, but see, that's the ultimately that's the role of these foundations, though. Is it just gives you, under the guise of a charitable organization, complete free will to disperse your money in ways that you know might be less than good for humanity. <laughs> And I think that that's something that we need to watch. Like, you know, the Clinton Foundation, for example, that's something that really could, you know, benefit from an audit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, I don't know that it could benefit from an audit, but it really needs to be audited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Humanity could benefit from an audit of the Clinton Foundation. Are these nonprofits? Yeah. Wow. Tax-free. That's insane. Tax-free. Billions of dollars moving unchecked. Moving these- children from Haiti. <laughs> uh that's crazy, man. That's yeah, crazy. That's where the skepticism and the conspiracy theory angle of all this stuff comes from, you know? Yeah. Like, people see that, and it makes them uneasy. They're valid Naturally. concerns. Naturally. Yeah. Valid concern. And then, you know, of course, people do exploit it. People do, you know, 
try to tie a QAnon into it and all that. Which, I mean, that's, I don't know. QAnon's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But see, if, we, if there was actual oversight and people actually knew what it was and we could prove it, that would be great. Yeah. You know, you could still do your good and then you could point and laugh at all the idiots on the internet that think that you're crazy. You know? Yep. True. I don't know, man. I don't know. What do we, what else we got? Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. Na- U.S. Navy ships operate in Russia's Barents Sea for the first time since the 1980s. They're getting their Cold War back. Yeah, that's great. Uh it's not crazy. It's uh, it's fishy. It's fishy because in this article, which is what NBC, NBC News, uh, they don't say what they name one warship. I think. Uh, let's see the the Northern Fleet. No, no, that's it's, that's uh, Russia's Navy. See. Yeah, it's a uh, Navy Six Fleet. But they they name the supply ship. Wait, go up right here. Okay, it's uh, a lo- logistics ship, but they don't. They don't name the rest of the ships or what kind of ships they are. So I thought that was a little strange. I mm-hmm. mean, you're re- you're reporting on a group of four U.S. Navy ships. Well, the only one that they're like showing any you know information about it has no combat capability. It's a supply ship, right? You know, so but and you know that that might be you know opsec. I get that, but really, yeah. I mean, there were like instances during the Iraq war whenever like you know information came out in the media that the Iraqis got from NBC News, so they knew when we're Targets were going to be during attacks and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I understand that from a military perspective. As an objective, you know, you don't you don't want people to know where you're going and what you got. Yeah, but why do an article at all? It's still news because the Russian Navy knows who's over there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they ninety nine percent sure have have eyes on that 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 group. You know. Yeah. I mean, OPSEC's a weird game. You know, you 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 don't want to be showing your hand in the freaking media. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, there's like a four uh, U.S. Navy ships enter the Barents Sea off Russia's northwest Arctic coast Monday. Uh, the first time U.S. warships have operated in the area since the 1980s, according to a statement from on Monday from the Navy Sixth Fleet. Um, although it is in international waters, the Barents Sea is Russia's naval backyard. The Northern Fleet, the heart of the Russian Navy, is anchored in Severomorsk. Uh, my Russian is bad. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, tucked off the bay of the Barents Sea. Uh, on Tuesday, a spokesperson for the Navy told uh, NBC News that while American ships have entered the area in the last few decades, uh, Monday's move was the first time since the 1980s that the U.S. had conducted maritime security operations and asserted freedom of navigation in the Barents Sea. Uh, the Navy said it was notified it, it notified the Russian Defense Ministry on Friday of its intention to send ships to, into the Barents. Russian's military said uh, in a statement Monday that the Northern Fleet assets are monitoring the activities of the NATO strike group. Uh, okay, so NATO strike group does that mean it's internet? It's an international group. Uh, that's that's entirely possible. I mean, I mean, if they're calling it NATO, you would think that it was sent by NATO countries, not just the U.S. Yeah, but it, the thing about NATO is like. A lot of times, you know, they will use American military assets, you know, because, you know, we're, we're members of NATO and, well, members, quote unquote, <laughs> we, we fund NATO and, <laughs> but yeah, hmm, that makes me think, but yeah, what? but like a lot of times when I was in, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, you know, there would be people from Finland, you'd see like a unit of like six Finnish commandos or whatever. They were just there, and are they like, driving around in U.S. tanks? <laughs> well, I mean, they were they were catching piggyback rides on our stuff, you know. And oh, okay, I remember when there was, there was one guy from Micronesia, one guy. Wow, <laughs> and 
And like, you know, when everybody would have to like, you know, snap to attention to whenever there was a fallen comrade ceremony or whatever, he had to do this weird, complicated salute. It was super funny. Look at like he was breakdancing. But wow. <laughs> but he did it. You Interesting. Know? There was nobody there watching him either. Like nobody from, you know, the rest of their military. He was the one guy in Afghanistan and he did it. <laughs> He's probably like some badass. That's a uh, little five foot psycho assassin. That's a technicality that, uh, you know, George Bush's coalition. <laughs> I mean, on paper, it's like tell that to the president of Micronesia. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, man. <laughs> but okay, so yeah, apparently this is all over the annexation of Crimea. You know, which has been going on for the last few years and is a mess. Um, mm, that happening during Obama's administration, mm. I don't think. I think that's probably a uh, a red herring. I don't think that that's the reason that yeah. the battle group's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It prob- probably has more to do with, you know, what Russia's doing. Ru- to the oil market. Oil market, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, since when do we give a shit about Crimea? <laughs> man, every story you read, especially now that we know, I mean, people that hate Trump know that everything's a lie, you yeah. know? And it's always been that way. But I think more people are, are coming to realize, yeah. like, can't trust anything that anybody says yeah for sure everything has a second uh a primary objective that isn't you're what you're experiencing isn't even secondary it's like just the the official narrative you know and there were probably actually like seven or eight ships (laughs) maybe yeah yeah Yeah, that's a damn dude you fucking broke the story (laughs) the story's about four u.s ships yeah but they're Russia's talking, saying Russia's talking NATO. NATO battle group. Mm. Damn, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, which is a little more scary. Yeah. Because that means, you know, more capabilities for whatever they have going on. Yeah. Huh. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Hey, just uh, uh, I, I, I saw a documentary about these guys in Miami in the 80s. Got and they were just business guys. Like one guy imported cars, mm-hmm. another guy just was a a strip club owner. Right. Somehow they managed to get involved with uh, the Medellin cartel. Yeah. And started like ordering helicopters and shit from Russia. Yeah. Like back when you know uh, Gorbachev was ousted and like you know the Russian military was in chaos because. You know, they were selling stuff on the side right. to whoever had the money. Yeah. And these guys bought, like, all these, like, high-tech helicopters for the time. Mm-hmm. And they started, like, they were going to buy a nuclear submarine. Oh, shit. I mean, to run tons of drugs. Yeah. Can you fucking imagine if they, if they had been successful, which they weren't? Yeah. That would have been insane. Mm-hmm. That's a That's a military submarine. Right. That really, I mean, God, the the cartel would have been that cartel would have been so powerful if they had that, and they they even asked if they wanted nuclear missiles. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. Well, I mean, Miami in the eighties, those dudes were probably just gacked on coke anyway. They're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, in Russia, like that kind of cocaine was very rare. Yeah. So they made a deal to where with these Russian gangsters that. So they were like helping they them could move get weight some over there. And yeah. Yeah. If they were cooperative and getting all this military hardware huh. back to Colombia. Yeah. Pretty nuts, man. That's crazy. It's very interesting. I wish I knew the name of it. Anyway, next story. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Senate votes to allow FBI to look at your web browsing history without a warrant. Thanks, Senate. Uh, look at those Republicans taking away our freedoms. Yeah. Wow. So, uh... It's like Republicans are always on the side of, like, the alphabet agencies. Yeah. Because they think that... Well, I don't know what they think, but... Damn. <laughs> that's crazy. They think that fascism is a lot easier to achieve if you have a bunch of spying going on. <laughs> Yeah, but the other side does it in different ways. Yeah, it's it's dude. It's two sides of the same coin, man. The fucking mayor of Chicago actually said New World Order in this uh I don't know who was interviewing her or for what, but she was talking about uh like controlling people through housing and like permits and shit like that. Hmm. Uh and it and she was using like the co the COVID stuff to like write into policy how to control people and said that she would need people that were loyal to the New World Order. I, I don't know if it was New World Order or something like that, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was yeah. afraid because you know when you hear New World Order or something like that, your ears perk up. Yeah. Like what the fuck did she just say? Or who's listening to ministry? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. She she does not listen to ministry. Uh but yeah, and this is the same city that was using uh like black sites to Yeah, they like their police force, they were just like had all those like off the grid like They don't they didn't give a fuck about constitutional rights. Beating you know? chambers. Yeah. Crazy. Fucking man. Abu Ghraib Southside. <laughs> yes. It blew my mind. Yeah. Anyway. I I, th- I think I saw that and I just didn't read the article for whatever reason. I was busy, but yeah, Senate votes to, Senate allow, votes to the allow the FBI to look at your web browsing history without a warrant, like the NSA hasn't been doing it for years. Any hoozle. Um, <laughs> the U.S. Senate has voted to give law enforcement agencies access to web browsing data without a warrant, dramatically expanding the government's surveillance powers in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Especially since we're all basically living online now. <laughs> yeah. That means your Zoom calls... That means, you know, your TikToks, which China already has those anyway. Um, That means your Instagram. That means your Facebook. Yeah. The power grab was led by the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, of course. You know, Mitch the Chin, uh, as part of a reauthorization of the Patriot Act, which has done a lot of good, right? Yeah. Um, Which gives the federal agencies broad domestic surveillance powers. Uh, Senators Ron Wyden, uh, a Democrat from Oregon, and... Steve Daines, a Republican from Montana, attempted to remove the expanded powers from the bill with a bipartisan amendment. Uh, But in a shock upset, the privacy-preserving amendment fell short by just a single vote after several senators who have voted yes failed to show up for the session, including Bernie Sanders. Uh, Now the worm turns. hmm. (laughs) Nine Democratic senators also voted no, causing the amendment to fall short of the 60-vote threshold it needed to pass. Uh, Let's see. The Patriot Act should be repealed in its entirety, set on fire, and buried in the ground. Evan Greer, the deputy director of Fight for the Future, told Motherboard, which I agree. Um, it's one of the worst laws passed in the last century, and there is a there is a zero evidence that the mass surveillance programs it enables have saved a single human life. But uh, you know, if this if this gets repealed, another 9-11 is going to happen. Yeah. Just so all this shit can pass. I think we're living through that other 9-11 right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I sincerely believe it. Yeah. No, I do too. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know that that puts me on, like, the conspiracy hard sides of things, but... 
I mean, if you're paying attention at all, yeah, that's not too far outside the realms of possibility. I mean, it's actually fucking reality, you know? Yeah. If you're paying attention. I was shocked when I saw pictures of myself on Google. Like, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And dude, fucking uh, Jess's nephew, they had a pic that they sent her a picture of Jess's of her nephew at one year old and five years old. Like, how do they know this is the same little kid? And why the fuck are they tracking his growth? Hmm. It's so crazy. I yeah. mean, it's the same thing they did. They did to me. You yeah. Know? It's so nuts. I think it's time to go back to the Nokia gold brick that can only play Snake. Dude, flip phones are going to be a thing of the future. Yeah, next story. (laughs) Here's a little behind-the-scenes magic. We we lost track of what we were talking about. I had to pee. Gabe had to pee, and then Jess came home, and I, I of course, had to talk to Jess because I haven't seen her in forever. Yeah. So, and then I abruptly cut off their conversation and told her to get out and shut the door behind her. Yeah. And she's currently keying his car as we speak. So <laughs> it can we're take gonna, it. It can take it. We're gonna skip to the next story. All right. Uh, you added this. You you brought this one up. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so friend of the show, Armin Maywis. We've talked about him before. Uh, the the German can, oh, cannibal. Friend of the show? I don't think so, dude. <laughs> I uh, would know that. I would know what you were talking about. Uh, right he's now. been allowed to leave prison and go out for days while wearing a disguise, despite serving. Excuse me. A life sentence for the 2001 murder of uh, Bernd Jurgen Armando Brandis at his home in Rotenburg. Uh, Maywis wears sunglasses and a hat on his trips, during which he is allowed to walk through town. This is the guy that went on Craigslist and said, hey, I need someone to let me kill them and eat them. Yeah. And a couple days later, he found a dude. Yeah. You can find anything on Craigslist. Is this that guy's penis that he ate? (laughs) That's a can of cranberry sauce. Why is that there? I don't know. Why is that even there? (laughs) That's so weird. Why does it say if you have toenail fungus, do this immediately? (laughs) These are like... What the hell? This is like the single most bizarre collection of images on one of these (laughs) weird-ass websites I've ever seen. (laughs) All right. Well... Anyway. We know where to go next then. Okay, yeah. So this is a guy that put out an ad online uh, looking for a willing victim that wanted to be quote-unquote slaughtered, then consumed... And this guy, Brandis, answered it. Uh, during their encounter, Maywis cut off his arm. Uh, no, no, his, his um, appendage. And they both tried to eat it. Uh, he eventually killed and ate parts of Brandis's flesh over a period of 11 months before he eventually was arrested after a tip-off. And he videotaped the whole thing. So yeah. I guess, yeah, they, 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 they agreed to do this, under, I guess, under the premise that he would cut off the guy's penis first and they could eat it together. And then they would, you know, I guess, kill the dude and then eat him. Yeah, he could have survived that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. If, if you had proper suturing, because when needs, you eat your penis, that part grows back. Yeah, it's like a lizard's tail, <laughs> right? He needs some milk. Okay, so he was uh, serving a life sentence. Uh, apparently, he's expressed remorse for his actions. Uh, and uh, let's see, he's uh, still a dangerous, still a dangerous criminal, criminal um, who committed a horrendous act that will keep him in prison for the rest of his life. But it doesn't say why he was allowed out. This is unrelated. Um, let's see. Uh, the police have to go with him whenever he goes out on the town or whatever. Um, oh, he may have earned. Yeah, he, he like he was a he was a model prisoner. He's like apparently very friendly and you know stopped eating people. He he just had this one thing that he had to get out. <laughs> wow. Uh, supposedly the guy went vegetarian when he was in 2007. So yeah, you know, I guess they don't have to worry about that anymore. But yeah, this guy they're they're letting him you know go out on day trips. This article didn't uh, 
didn't include a picture of his face. No. I mean, we, it's available. You can find it on the internet. Right. It's uh, M-E-I-W-E-S is how you spell the last name. Muse. Just just Google German cannibal, and he's bound to be like in the top five. That's <laughs> top five. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of weird shit going on in Germany, man. Yeah. There's at least five. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if. I don't know if I told you this, but I watched that uh, documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, yeah? Have you seen that? Uh, I can't do it. Animal cruelty. That bothers me. It's They don't show it. Yeah. And uh, what they do show, I mean, there's there's not... I mean, if you follow nature's metal, you're going to get uh, uh, okay. way worse. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that was super interesting yeah. uh, how they found that guy and how fucked up he, he was. Really? You know? Yeah. Check it out. Netflix. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was the fucking most hilarious uh, story I've come across in a long time. And this right here is why you're going to have a good time in Arkansas, buddy. Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas woman arrested <laughs> wearing a bag of meth as a hair bow. I mean, the picture is pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's a little, it's a, a little baggy full of meth with a rubber band on it. And pink rubber band. In her so hair. it's like a white bow. Yeah. With pink rubber band. It's kind of ingenious. <laughs> Except that it's obviously a bag of drugs. <laughs> you could probably sneak this bag of meth into like a festival mm. if you hadn't, dude. Like, I remember going to Day for Night and just like seeing people with their hands above their heads, clearly holding weed pipes and weed. What? <laughs> yeah, obviously to get patted down. To get patted down Holy by security shit. guards. That's like, hilarious. It was so obvious. Like, <laughs> like you could see baggies sticking out of people's fists. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. God bless America. I miss that festival. I wish they could do that again. Anyway. Uh, Jessica Krupp was arrested due to having five outstanding warrants when the officer noticed she was wearing a bow in her hair made of meth. Damn. She wasn't even getting arrested for the meth. No, that's crazy. <laughs> she just had a bad day. <laughs> that's like the guy that gets pulled over with a joint in his, behind his ear. Yeah. He's like blatantly he just forgot forgot that it was there yeah and the cops like shining a light right on it yeah that sucks yeah it happens so jessica crop was arrested on september 24th after the flippin city it's called flippin the town is yep. called flippin flippin arkansas flippin arkansas flippin arkansas man yeah a uh, police officer who pulled her over found that she had five outstanding warrants for her arrest. According to the affidavit, the arrested officer pulled Crop over for driving with expired tags. So she wasn't even getting arrested for having the warrants. <laughs> she just had bad tags, man. That, it's nope. like an avalanche of arrests. Listen, everybody. Keep up your insurance, your registration, and you'll be able to do all kinds of evil shit. Yeah, yeah. Just don't yeah. Uh, call any attention to yourself. Yeah, that's why you need to check in with Jessica Dieter, agent of insurance. <laughs> Cops aren't mind readers. They just <laughs> They're honestly not very smart on, most of the time. They just pick up on bullshit that can make the city money. Like think of everybody that you've ever known that's been a cop. Not the sharpest tools in the shed, man. If you can just give the appearance of being a law abiding citizen. This is true. That's all it takes. This is true. So keep up your tags, folks. The officer ran Krop's name uh, through the system and proceeded to arrest her after there wasn't only a confirmation of a suspended license, but five active warrants as well. Uh, failure to appear uh, two failure to appears out of another county, a failure to appear in Mountain Home, which is actually a really nice town, and uh, <laughs> a non-payment of a fine warrant out of Cotter, which is another town. Uh, so according to the docu uh, court documents, the officer said, are you serious? Once he noticed a small plastic bag full of what appeared to be meth fashioned into a bow in Crop's hair. She said, what? I said, 
you have a bow in your hair uh, made of a bag of meth. She said, shit, I didn't even know that was there. Somebody else put that there and I didn't know what it was. Oh my god. What a meth head excuse. <laughs> Her mugshot is also hilarious. Yeah. She's kind of smirking like, <laughs> I know what I did and I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a secret. <laughs> you haven't even found the other bag yet. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's in a bow down there. Yeah. So, uh, there was also found drug paraphernalia, and she allegedly cooperated with police. Uh, she was arrested for possession of methamphetamine, methamphetamine or cocaine with a purpose to deliver, possession of drug paraphernalia, driving on suspended driver's license tags, and no liability insurance. Bond was set at $20,000. they got dollars. her with that last one. Yeah. <laughs> you already got her on meth. Yeah. Why well, you got a sticker for all that other stuff, man? That's dirty. Well, you know. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like once you get to a certain point, the lesser charges should kind of fall off. Gotta get those drug war bucks and yeah. the uh, the pity pet stuff straight to the state. Yeah, all the all the cities are finally going to get their, their warrants paid. Good yep. for them. Yep. Build a fucking statue of a clansman or whatever the fuck you're going to do with it. <laughs> fucking dicks. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> next story. Corona Rage? Nashville man who hacked that random couple with machete told police he was mad at COVID-19 lockdown. Yeah. Uh, God, man. It was only a matter of time. You know, in, U- in the U.S., we don't normally see people go on machete rampages. Yeah. Um, that, I thought that was... That's like a specifically, like, Congolese yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe, like, some drug shit in Jamaica, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's true. So... A man, supposedly enraged by coronavirus lockdown measures, used a machete to attack a random married couple, both of whom are now in critical condition, Fuck. Me- the Metropolitan National Police Department says. Kelvin Edwards, 35, is being charged with two counts of attempted murder after a machete attack at a storage facility on Sunday. The police called the uh, police department called the assault callous, unprovoked, and random in a public statement and warned that the two victims, Kevin Kraft and Leanne Kraft, are currently in critical condition at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Edward, who is homeless, told investigators he had a storage bin at the facility and the crafts were at, were at, and you, what? Okay. He had a storage facility in this place and uh, he used the machete from uh, the bin to attack the couple. He said the attack was spurred by his frustrations over COVID-19 lockdown measures, which he claims have prevented him from entering a homeless shelter. He has a storage facility. Why does he sleep there? <laughs> wow. I mean, what the fuck? People need to, you I- know. I think that people would be like much happier just ignoring the homeless man sleeping in the homeless sh- in the storage facility than being hacked to death with a machete. Just a thought. I don't know. Uh, so he attacked these people that he didn't know. Uh, cops showed up. He threw down his machete, put his hands up in the air, and gave up immediately. Um, he should have taken that machete to a pawn shop. It looks uh, like an antique. Looks like it could be worth some money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Should be, might be a Civil War area era machete. Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty handmade, well crafted. It's a good machete. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, the specific shelter that he was mad about, called Rescue Mission, had been issuing tickets for those staying there to ensure that people use the same bed and follow CDC guidelines. If anyone was absent from the shelter for a night, they have to test negative for COVID nineteen to reenter. Uh, no, Edwards could have been denied reentry over the weekend, but the shelter was not has not confirmed this and is now investigating. So it sounds like he lost his bed, and then he, you know, flipped out. And well, killed. in Houston, he would have been let out on bond to do this again. Mm. Uh, have you been reading about that? What? Like uh, the the city or the county's been issuing low bonds, yeah, like seven bucks 
to get out for domestic violence or something like yeah. that. Well, they're trying and, to keep people uh, out of like the out of being con- out of confinement because they have so many freaking confirmed cases in the jails and the prisons now. Yeah. So it's just pretty weird. I mean, like, what do you like, do though? Yeah. Like, what do you do? Yeah. You know, I I think for violent crime, you gotta you gotta deal with it. I mean, you can't have people out there yeah. affecting innocent people. You know. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's crazy. But uh, I think somebody somebody was out on bond like yesterday and they murdered someone. They stabbed an old woman to death. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah. Strange. People are strange. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Uh, that's, that's it, it for right? the news, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where am I? Okay. <laughs> All right, this is the story of Hans B. Schmidt. Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> the first, uh, he's a German Roman Catholic priest ever. He's like... Red see. flag, red flag. Okay, okay. <laughs> German Roman Catholic priest, convicted of murder, and the only priest ever to be executed in the United States. That's so cool. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, see, Hans Schmidt was born in a Bavarian town of Aschaffenburg. Aschaffenburg? <laughs> Uh, to a Protestant father and Catholic mother, both sides of his family had long histories of mental illness. Uh, from his early years, he combined a deep religious devotion with uh, bisexual promiscuity and a fascination with blood and dismemberment. Interesting. Uh, only only clergy could get away with <laughs> that kind of interest. Yeah. Uh, according to relatives, he once beheaded two of his parents' geese and kept the severed heads in his pocket. Nobody did anything wow. about that. Uh, he frequented the village slaughterhouse daily, where he would watch the death and dissection of farm animals with rapt fascination. He's the hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and no one realizes it. Mm. Uh, during his seminary studies, uh, Schmidt was arrested by Bavarian police in 1905 and discharged for forging diplomas for failing students. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How stupid do you have to be to not be able to get through seminary? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh Although the public prosecutor of uh, Mainz was uh, determined to send Schmidt to prison, his father hired a lawyer who arranged for the charges to be dropped for reasons of mental defect. Uh, although all who knew him uh, had serious doubts about his moral and mental fil- fitness to serve as a Catholic priest, Schmidt claimed that he was ordained by uh, Bishop uh, Kirsten of Mainz in, on December 23, 1904. In a later, later conversation with uh, Manhattan alienists, he recalled, the bishop ordained me alone. I do not like to speak of it. The real ordination took place the night before. St. Elizabeth, she ordained me herself. Uh, I was praying by my bedside, and she appeared to me and said, I ordain you to the priesthood. There, there was a light during her appearance. I told no one. I thought it best to keep to myself. They would make fun of me. They always made fun of me for these things. They always expect others to do as they do. God speaks to different people in different ways. Wow. Uh, during parish assignments uh, in the villages of Bergel and Seelingstadt, uh, Schmidt molested altar boys, had affairs with several women, consorted with prostitutes, and consorted with prostitutes. Uh, meanwhile, Schmidt's creative ways of saying mass and eccentric sermons led his parishioners and fellow priests to complain about him to the Monsignor and the bishop. When it became clear that no further parish assignments would be forthcoming from the Diocese of Mainz, uh, Schmidt immigrated to the United States in 1909. <laughs> Lucky us. <laughs> Good old Europe, always sending their best and brightest. All right. <laughs> uh, he was first assigned... What a shithole country. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, why is everyone in America crazy? <laughs> uh, he was first assigned to St. John's uh, Roman Catholic Church of Louisville, Kentucky. There, a rift with the senior pastor resulted in Schmidt's transfer to St. Boniface uh, Church in New York City. 
in 19 in uh, New York City in 1912, uh, Schmidt met Anna Almuller, the housekeeper of the St. Boniface Rectory, who had immigrated from uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire in 1910. In his conversations with, with alienists, Schmidt claimed to have heard a voice from God ordering him to quote-unquote love Anna. She first refused his advances, but eventually began having a secret sexual relationship with Schmidt. Uh, beginning in December 1912, Schmidt also had a also was also having a secret homosexual relationship with a New York City dentist named Ernest Murray, uh, whom he operated with whom he operated a counterfeiting ring. <laughs> oh my god! 1912 dentist. Yeah. What do you think about that? Basically, hmm. a witch doctor. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of leeches involved, I imagine. Yeah. Leeches and pliers. Uh, Schmidt later claimed to have enjoyed loving Murray more than Anna. Uh, despite his subsequent transfer to St. Joseph's Church in the distant area of Manhattan, uh, Schmidt and Anna uh, continued a secret sexual relationship. It was later revealed that they were quote-unquote married in a secret ceremony, which Schmidt performed himself. He also uh, wrote their names on the marriage certificate and told Anna that he was about to leave the priesthood, priesthood for her. During a sexual encounter with Anna and on the high altar of St. Joseph's Church, nice. uh, Schmidt received, the claim, uh, received what he claimed was a command from God to sacrifice her. Whoa. The command was repeated so insistently that Schmidt told Anna, who told him crazy, who called him crazy. Soon after, Anna inform, was informed, well, she informed him that she was pregnant. Uh, on the night of September 2nd, 1913, Schmidt... Talk about an immaculate conception. <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> On the night of September 2nd, uh, 1913, Schmidt went to the apartment they had rented together while posing as a married couple. He sloshed Anna's throat while she slept, drank her blood raped her as she bled to death, dismembered her body, and then threw the pieces from a ferry into the Hudson River. Schmidt then returned to St. Joseph's Church, offered Mass, and administered Holy Communion as though nothing had happened. Wow. Okay, so pieces of Anna's torso washed up on the shore of uh, Cliffside Park in Weehawken, New Jersey. Uh, Hudson County police detectives found a price tag still attached to the pillowcase used to wrap a part of the body. Using the tag, the pillowcase was traced back to a Newark factory, uh, which sold exclusively to a Manhattan, Manhattan furniture dealer, George Sachs. Uh, the investigation was taken over by the New York City Police Department and assigned to Manhattan Chief of Detectives uh, Joseph Farrow. See, after arriving at George Sachs Furniture Store on 2782 uh, 8th Avenue, Inspector Farrow found a dealer unable to recall how many pillowcases he'd sold. Uh, they checked through the receipts. It revealed that a bed, a bed spring, a mattress, pillows, pillowcases, and... And all been sold on August 26, 1913. The buyer gave his name as A. Van Dyke and arranged for the purchases to be delivered to a third-story apartment on 68 Bradhurst Avenue. So, superintendent says that the apartment was occupied by a married couple. The husband was described as a heavy German man, a man with a heavy German accent, and he gave the name H. Schmidt. When the three-day stakeout revealed no one arriving, Inspector Ferro ordered the detective, uh, Frank Casasa, to break into the apartment, a cursory search found the floor that had been recently scrubbed, but large amounts of dried blood were found all over the walls. Found a blood-stained kitchen knife. Uh, men's clothing with the name A. Van Dyke sewn into the lining was found, as though the letters were both what? As were, and oh, as were letters both in German and English addressed to Hans Schmidt. Uh, many of the letters were were from women in Germany. The largest number, however, were from Anna Almuller, whose uh, most recent address was listed as 428 East 70th Street. Inspector Ferro and Detective the Casasa Casasa and O'Connell visited the address and learned that Anna had moved out after receiving a job as a housekeeper at St. Boniface Church. Ferro and the detectives visited the church and were told by the senior pastor, uh, Friar John Brown, or Father John Brown, that Anna had been his housekeeper but had been transferred to St. Joseph's Church. Upon being asked if uh, he knew the name Hans Schmidt, Father Brown described him as a priest who had been 
formerly assigned to St. Boniface Church that had also moved to St. Joseph's. And they traced all this with a pillowcase. That's crazy. That's pretty impressive for yeah. like 1912 <laughs> 19... detective work. Yeah, that's... I mean, this kind of stuff badass. never got solved back then. Yeah, he I mean, had to be Batman. Jack the Ripper? I mean, he got away with it. This yeah. guy killed one person. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Inspector Faroe and Detectives Casasas and O'Connell uh, arrived at St. Joseph's Rectory at 1.30. After Faroe pounded on the door, the senior pastor, uh, Father Daniel Quinn... Uh, opened the door, led them to the parlor, and woke Schmidt. Upon being confronted by the inspector and the detectives, Schmidt admitted, I killed her. I killed her because I loved her. Then Schmidt described the murder and dismemberment in detail. As his fellow priests watched in horror, Schmidt was taken into police custody. So a big media spectacle ensued. Uh, the New York papers comp- competed against each other uh, with an even greater degree of sensationalism regarding the case. After feigning insanity during his first trial, which ended in a hung jury, Schmidt was eventually convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by the electric chair. During Schmidt's first trial, uh, he feigned insanity on top of his on top of his defense team using Schmidt's claims of hearing voices to convince the jury of the client's insanity. The defense also claimed that the insanity ran all throughout his family. They called one witness, a psychologist named Smith Eli Jalife, uh, to uh, testify that Schmidt's family tree had showed up to 60 or near or distant relatives who had displayed signs of mental illness and therefore Schmidt could not be put to death because he too was insane. The prosecution called in other witnesses, including doctors who had examined Schmidt while he awaited trial and concluded the con- that contrary to his efforts to uh, convince authorities otherwise, and contrary to Schmidt's ramblings about hearing voices telling him to commit murder against Almuller, Schmidt was sane. However, the prosecution's efforts were in vain. Uh, at the conclusion of the trial in December 1913, the jury could not come to a decision after deliberating for several days, and he had a hung jury. Second trial ensued two weeks later, and on January 5th, after uh, January 5th, 1914, after three hours of deliberation, the jury found Schmidt guilty of first-degree murder. Uh, he was sentenced to death and sent to Sing Sing Prison to wait execution. Uh, they tried to appeal, um, which postponed his execution for a year. Um, he eventually admitted the feigned insanity through the trials, and he also tried to pin the murder on the dentist that he was having an affair with, uh, Ernest Murray. Schmidt claimed that he'd followed authorities, uh, he allowed authorities to pursue him for murder rather than Murray because he wanted to cover for his friend. Uh, his appeals were unsuccessful, and he was executed by the electric chair on February 18th. It's a day before your birthday, Gabe! Hey! And he remains the only Roman Catholic priest to ever be executed for murder in the United States. If I had my way... <laughs> there would be many, many, many more. Yeah. Um, so there's rumors of possible other crimes. Uh, see, apart from killing his young pregnant wife, uh, further investigation revealed that Schmidt had a second apartment where he had set up a counterfeiting workshop. This guy's just a criminal. Why would you join the priesthood if you're so good at counterfeiting? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a good cover. Yeah. You, Low overhead. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess you're, you know, free meals, free, free board. Yeah, but you got to do a lot of work to. Do a sermon. You could just be counterfeiting full time. I don't know. Is it that much work? You talk to a bunch of people once a week. Yeah, you, there's a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of memorizing. You know, you got to come up with your little story about how you saw something in the world that reminded you of John three sixteen. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there, there uh, was another murder that he was uh, being suspected of. Uh, authorities also expected uh, suspected Schmidt of the murder of Alma Kellner, a nine year old whose body was found buried in the basement of St. John Church in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, 
where Schmidt had previously worked. The body had been burned, but authorities suspected that the killer had initially tried to dismember her. Uh, the janitor, Joseph Wendling, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for the murder based on circumstantial evidence found in bloody clothing that was found at his house. Huh. So I guess the uh, Kentucky detectives just aren't as good as the Arkansas ones. Yeah, th these people did not look at the pillowcases. <laughs> Man. So there it is. Story of Hans Schmidt. What a what a great story. Pretty heavy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty wacky. Yeah. Man. So friend questions? Yeah, let's do some friend questions. <laughs> Rob Zip asks, how's your Etsy store doing? Well, Rob, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's going okay. Um it's challenging. Yeah. Uh, we've sold, I, I want to say like almost 200 bucks worth of stuff Yeah, in 11 orders. Hmm. Uh, some of those orders are really small. Some of them are pretty decent. Um, it's all good. I, I sold some, uh, threadless stuff recently too. So yeah, it's been cool. I just uploaded a bunch of, uh, recent artwork that I've done that hasn't shown in any art shows or anything. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And they're super cheap because you know they're not at uh they're not at gallery prices. Yeah, and that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how it's going. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering like when stuff is going to start again, dude. The soon well, I mean, of course, you know, we want to stay safe and everything. But yeah. as far as vending goes for art, you know, table yeah. shows and stuff, it can't be soon enough. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are like kind of hurting right now and. Fuck yeah. I mean, luckily there are a lot of government assistance programs uh, that started up because of this last uh, bill, mm -hmm. but I'm not taking advantage of anything right now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, selling stuff online is very, very slow. Mm -hmm. uh, I think because we, what is the unemployment rate? Like 30%? Yeah. It's like, well, it's like, uh, I think there's like 33 million people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unemployed right so now. So like 10%. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah, and uh, not a lot of cash going around right now. Nope, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, could be worse. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying not to complain too much because, mm. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I, it's just like I think that that's kind of like there's there's just like this kind of air of uncertainty in the creative community right now that's going on. Like you see it a lot with uh, like musicians and like venues and stuff. Yeah, you know, like you know, it, the music industry has gotten to the point where you know you have to tour to live. Yes, you know. Yeah. Like if, if you want to, you know, you, you can't, you can't live by selling records anymore. You know, Spotify is giving you, you know, six cents for 6 million listens. So, yeah, you know, like that, your livelihood is gone, you know, and a lot of venues, you know, they, they got to host shows. They got to have three, four shows a week. You know, they got to sell the beer and that's yeah. not happening either. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out and who's left, you know? Yeah. I always do so good person to person selling art merch yeah know? uh i mean i've i've had it so good that if i could do that every weekend yeah i wouldn't need a job yeah you know uh but that is not the situation right now yeah so everybody everybody's struggling you mm -hmm. know uh i've had zero freelance yeah things come up because i mean it ruined everything yeah this shit ruined everything so uh I don't know. If you still have a job, go yeah. buy some stuff from somebody. It's, it doesn't have to be me, but uh, Threadless, Revenge of the World, and uh, <laughs> Etsy uh, is uh, Destro's Treasure. So, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. 
Thanks, Rob. Thanks for uh, taking part in the show. Uh, if anybody wants to send fr- friend questions our way, you can email us at rotwpodcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, every week we try and post uh, stuff on our social media asking for friend questions, and you can enter yours there as well. Uh, what else we got? Tenfold tirade? UFOs! So, this story is a little out of the ordinary as far as Tenfold Tyrate goes. Because yeah. it's not about ghosts or UFOs or any anything paranormal or too, too fucking nuts. But uh, this one's about the bog people of... Uh, is this also in Germany? This is in England. It is in England. Um, I thought it was all over Europe, though. Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, the Druids were kind of... Yeah, anywhere you, you have a bog, a, I guess it's a peat bog, that would be the uh, the optimal place to dump a body for this kind of stuff. Uh, but if you look it up, um, just look up bog people. Uh, we're getting this from the Atlantic.com. Uh and it's an article that says we're we're, we're <laughs> I'm going to read now. Uh, where the mysterious bog people human sacrifices. A British archaeologist argues that the miraculously preserved bodies were left in the water as offerings to the gods. This, I mean, Brennan, what do you think of this picture? I'd much rather see this than the caveman that was trapped in ice. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah, and uh. I don't know. Something about it just piques my curiosity. Uh, Sometime around 60 AD, a man was led into a marsh outside Cheshire, England to be killed. He was in his mid-20s, stood about 5'7", and had a trimmed beard, mustache, and brown hair. Except for an armband made out of fox fur, he was naked. Uh, (laughs) It's likely that he accompanied, he was accompanied and restrained by two more, two or more individuals. Um... The details of his death make for grisly reading. Uh, Trigger alert. Uh, First, he received a blow from a blunt object to the top of his head, probably while he was seated, which fractured his skull. Uh, Then a cord was thrown around his neck. While he was being throttled, his throat was cut. Combined with the pressure from the noose, this would have caused a geyser of blood to erupt from the wound. Finally, he received a sharp kick to the small of his back, propelling him face-first into the waters of the bog, where, nearly 2,000 years later, he was found by workers digging for peat in the Lindo Moss. Lindau Moss. Uh, we know these details about the fate of the Lindo, Lindau Man, as he has come to be known, because of the almost miraculous preservative qualities of the bog where he was buried. Since the 18th century, hundreds of bodies like this have been found in the marshes of northern Europe. Their ages span thousands of years from the Stone Age to the Second World War. Wow. Mm. Most, though, come from a relatively narrow band of time, from about 700 BC to 200 AD. Many show signs of terrible trauma, including torture, mutilation, and dismemberment. Together, they are the coldest of cold cases, and the reasons for their demise constitute one of the enduring mysteries of European archaeology. Human sacrifice. Yes, we, we've we dealt with such things. 
uh not in person <laughs> dealt with are dealing with we know we know where we're going you know you know this was uh bill gates ancestors probably <laughs> uh i don't want to read this whole yeah uh article but the deaths of these people are pretty gruesome um you know what i just read was just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. um they're, they're, it says that they're like buried in like b- being buried in this bog it's like the process, like it cures the the like all the the microbes and shit. They like kind of cure the body. It's like similar to like tanning right. leather or something. Right. Um, it's crazy that the the pressure of of the bog crushes these people over time. Yeah. And like they just look completely distorted, but they're very well preserved. Like yeah. you could see the noose around that guy's neck, mm-hmm. and like you know the uh, I'm sure the fox fur was still around his arm. It's it like didn't show it. But. It's like better than a mummy. Yeah. Way better than yeah. mommy. It's almost like a bronze cast of a person. It's really yeah incredible. I wonder what it smells like. <laughs> you ever been to a bog? Nope. It's thanks. So you probably can't make the distinction. Uh, let's see. On top of post-mortem trauma, the unusual preservation of the bog bodies can pose an additional challenge to investigators. When a body was found in Lindo Moss in 1983, police at first thought it belonged to a recently murdered woman. By coincidence, it was found just a thousand feet from the cottage of a man who was suspected in his wife's disappearance. What luck. Uh, <laughs> confronted with the body, he admitted to the crime. Holy shit. Oh, only a, shit. Only a few months later did it become apparent that the body was that of a 2,000-year-old man. How do you make that mistake? How do you forget where you put your body? <laughs> well, they probably didn't tell him exactly where they found it. That's crazy. So maybe he was unintentionally carrying on the uh, the tradition. Yeah, that's wow. crazy. That's interesting to think about too. Uh, but despite these mix-ups, there is a wealth of forensic data preserved in these bog bodies, uh, soft tissue, and it can tell us a lot about who these individuals were in life, their social status, medical history, and even the food they ate in their final hours. Uh, the Tallin man's last meal was a kind of gruel described as disgusting by a British archaeologist who tasted the reconstructed version for a program on the BBC. That's saying something, if he can gross out a British person with food. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen what these people eat for breakfast? God. (laughs) Uh, The Grabal man ate a porridge made out of 60 different types of plant, which contained enough ergot to put him in a coma. Or at least make him delirious. Tripping balls. <laughs> the old Krogan man, an aristocratic giant from Ireland. Wow. <laughs> uh, lived mostly on meat and dairy, but his final meal was buttermilk and cereal. Uh, the Lindo man, an upmarker meal of griddle toast flatbread with a small addition of mistletoe pollen. Uh, weird. Huh. Yeah. Doesn't... I mean, <laughs> mistletoe and flatbread. Mm. Has that diet mm. improved much? It's like a pop tart over a thousand years. Um, many of the bog's victims suffered from malnutrition. Uh, sounds like it. Others appear to have been better off. Some had finely manicured hands. One wore elaborate hairstyles that oh, or wore elaborate hairstyles that indicated their rank as freemen, freedmen, or warriors. Uh, an, 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 uh, 
starting to break up. Betty by Betty by an unusual number of the bog bodies suffered from physical deformities. Uh, some of these were fairly minor, like a cauliflower ear or curved spines or diseased joints, which would have made walking difficult. So they're like old pro wrestlers. Sounds like it. Uh, Ric Flair, I think, is Woo! fucking... This is happening to him right now above ground. Um, I thought Ric Flair's dead. No, he's alive. He's walking. Uh, walking and breathing. Uh, one thing that the bog bodies make clear is that the mistreatment they suffered in death was as extreme as it was varied. The Harold Scare woman was killed with a garrote. Uh, the... Oh, these... These names are just crazy. The Yid, Yid girl was strangled with her own girdle. Uh, <laughs> the Talund man was hung. The Khausen boy, a teenager from northern Germany, was hogtied before death. Uh, he had a meal of his own penis in his belly. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, some of them were scalped and her face crushed and right leg broken. A uh, man was hit with a barrage of bows, blows. Uh, most likely from an axe, enough to sever his head and cut his body in half. Wow. <laughs> That's some keen detective work there. <laughs> uh, the violence inflicted the bodies continued after death. Uh, several of the bodies had their arms pierced and willow branches were drawn through the wound. Druids. That sounds pretty badass. Uh, like the trees fucking impaled people. Yep. Alive. Um, others had wooden stakes driven through their knees. Alrighty. That sounds like something I would be into. Uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Me and Brennan have uh, plans later after the show. Uh, Speak for yourself, dude. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna impale my knees, damn it! Um, yeah, it's just a bunch of gross stuff, and uh, a lot of it was done by druids as sacrifice. Yeah, according to this article. Um, so I don't know, man. What do you think? Well, I think that human beings have a very long history of human sacrifice, and it's 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 not super far out of the realm of possibility just because it's modern times to assume that maybe these sorts of things are happening today. Yeah, I mean, just look at what you know the you know forest of horrors that we talked about last time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I heard you know through one of my conspiracy shows that they found blood on the Georgia Guidestones. Really? Somebody had flown a drone over it and saw, like, blood on top of it. Hmm. Um, I'd like to see that. Confirmed. You know. That's interesting. The uh, Moloch is still, that statue of Moloch still exists. Yeah. I'm sure every year, you know, they still do a quote-unquote mock sacrifice. Uh, and, and those are incredibly powerful people, you know, from all over the place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> People be tripping. And what is that island called? Uh, where the mullet thing took place? Uh, fucking spacing on it. I'm wondering if that was next to a bog. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. I don't know, man. I think... Uh, to the Google Earth. Yeah. Nah, it's probably not on Google Earth. No, nah, probably not. Druids, man. Druids. Yeah. Uh, the article says, although we may never know for certain what was going through the minds of the killers, the bog bodies will still retain their fascination. Duh. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they said some of these were druids, and didn't druids build the... Stonehenge? Stonehenge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Yeah. I wonder if there were any human sacrifices there. I don't know. Seems of... like a place that w- you would have them. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I mean, supposedly it was a calendar. <laughs> a calendar that was worshipped. Maybe. Or and worshipped surrounded at. by UFO activity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just reminded of this, but uh, oh, what was that book series? I think it was this one. Uh, Man no. with the Magic? Or or no. The tri- no, the uh, Mysteries of the Unknown? Yes. Yeah. The commercial for one of these book sets, one of the stories was someone crafted out of wire one of the symbols on Stonehenge and got electrocuted. Hmm. But did it happen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll never find that story. Uh, I guess that's it for the show. Uh, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> <laughs> we're donezo. I'm tired. In many ways. Yes. And hungry. Yeah, me and too. And thirsty. And I'm going to cry. Uh, thank you to LoneStarButtons.com. If you, again, if you have anything going on and you want to promote it, uh, buttons, bottle openers, mirrors, and magnets are a great way to do it. You can get in touch with them by email at info at LoneStarButtons.com. Or you can call the owner, Adam Stimpy Jones, at 281-798-1996. Use the coupon code, I want to suck in your hairy tits, and get some buttons thrown in for free. We're also brought to you by... Jessica Dieter, agent of insurance. Uh, do you need insurance? Yes. Do you need have to you s- looked outside? Yes. <laughs> do you need to save the money that you currently don't have? Yes. Get a new policy. She can shop for... She can save you money. She can shop for home, auto, flood, renters, all kinds of insurance, uh, especially in Texas, because that's all she's licensed for. Good luck elsewhere. Uh, give her a call at 281 607 Five two six three. She will endeavor to save you some money. Uh, she has saved one person. I mean, this is just a an example, but eight hundred bucks. Like that's not nothing. That's that ain't no joke. That's my mortgage. Mm-hmm. I'm in a very cheap home. Uh, <laughs> we're also brought to you by Destro's Treasures. Treasure no s. Uh, go to www.etsy.com slash shop slash Destro's Treasure. Uh, that's D-E-S-T-R-O-S, treasure. Um, you will find art, jewelry, zines, and gifts for your loved or hated ones. Um, thank you to Mockingbird Network. Go check them out. They got a lot of good shows on there. Uh, you got anything else, Brennan? Nah. Go to our social media. Yeah. We need more social media stuff going on. I deleted about 300 people from my account. Yeah. Just because they didn't like anything. (laughs) (laughs) So all those people from India got the shaft. (laughs) I mean... Get fucked. I was was actually looking at, like, how do you get more more interaction from your audience? Mm. And it depends. I mean, there's there's an algorithm. And it depends on your reach. And they change it all the time. And they don't tell you what their metrics are. (laughs) Exactly. It's fun. But it seems like the more... The more followers you cast out and keep the followers that you you engage with or they engage with you, mm. the more your reach is gonna is gonna uh, expand. Yeah. So that's what I've been trying. Anyway, look it up. See if that's true. I don't know. Um, if you want to take part in the show, send us an email at rotwpodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, go to revengeoftheworld.com. <laughs> Jesus, that's, that's where everything's at. Yeah, you can reach reach us there. Uh, give us a give us a look. See, yeah. Brennan, it's been a long time since we've been in the same room. It has. It was fun. Yeah, had a good time. Should do it again sometime. This one wasn't shitty. <laughs> None of them are. They're always they're always dark. Yeah, they get dark, man. Real dark, man. But somehow Liam Neeson, dark man. 
I don't know, man. Whenever... Oh, great movie. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. This one was good. I had fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. Gently go fuck someone. Yeah. Well, all right, everybody. Let your head down. If you got on a wig like some people think I got on, this is my own beautiful hair. What to do with it, fellas? Take it out. I said, and get down on wig.